Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Welcome back, everyone, to part two of Imposter Christianity and Babylon the Great. In our last podcast, Gary and I dissected a CNN article titled, An Imposter Christianity is Threatening American Democracy. Now, in this article, the writer was trying to prove that our nation is under attack by white Christian nationalism, a form of Christianity that he pretty much equated to Christianity itself, claiming that it had taken over the mainstream of our churches. As we explained, this writer basically believes that the Judeo-Christian faith is racist and sexist at its very core, and that true Christianity is demonstrated by accepting the perversions of God's word that we are seeing all around us today, such as social justice instead of individual justice, a free-for-all sexuality for everyone, the notion that gender is fluid, and even worse, the redefining of abortion as reproductive health care. In summary, in this writer's eyes, and to many in the world today, failure to accept these worldly values is akin to heresy and is potentially violent. Now, if you didn't get a chance to listen to part one of this series, please go back and listen to it to help you set the stage for where we're going with today's podcast. So where are we going today? (laughs) I'm glad you asked that. So today, we're going to look at some ancient Torah prophecies, the writings of John in the book of Revelation, and in particular about Babylon the Great, the words of Yeshua himself, and we're going to see if there are any ties between what we see going on in our world today and where we're headed according to biblical prophecy. We're going to focus today on false prophecies and the perversion of the gospel message. And unfortunately, we're going to be considering how future persecution of believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will most likely come from those professing to represent the Judeo-Christian faith. If you're interested, we'll be right back after this brief message. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now... As the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, Author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts. 
So Gary, we ended our last podcast by talking about Deuteronomy 13. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that Deuteronomy 13 was part of our Torah portion last week. How about that? Yeah, so our Torah study group really dove into that and everybody had something to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's an important passage. It's an important passage. So as a reminder to the audience, Deuteronomy 13 could be labeled how to recognize and deal with a false prophet. Yes, it could. Right? So Gary, if you could just read uh, from Deuteronomy 13 so we can just be remembered about Moses, what Moses was saying. Sure. It says, if a prophet or one who foretells the future by dreams appears among you and announces to you uh, a, a miraculous sign or wonder, and if that sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place and he says, let us follow other gods, gods that you have not known and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet. Mm-hmm. That's Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 2. So, and then what's funny, well, it's not funny, but right right after that, he tells them what to do with the prophet, and that is stone them. So it's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. Yes, exactly. So, you know, as we talked about a couple different things last week in our group, our Friday night group, that kind of stood out in these verses. And the first one that you might just kind of read over, but actually is pretty important, is the phrase, appears among you, Mm. some Bibles say, in your midst. Yeah, so Um, not somebody from the outside, somebody that you're familiar with, somebody that you're in your your community. So, exactly. So, you're not talking about an outside secular person or Mm. pagan or someone who doesn't claim to be part of your group. You're talking about somebody rising up from within uh, the body of believers. Mm. So, that's pretty key. That is. Uh, that's, that's important that's to understand. That's important. And, and that's why it can be so deceptive. Exactly. Somebody maybe you've trusted. For exactly. Many years. That's that's what's going to trip us up. Mm. Now, the, the the second thing is that this person isn't labeled as a false prophet, meaning they're going to probably rise up and be considered a true prophet mm. by most within the believing community. Okay? And why are they they the why are people going to believe this because of signs and wonders yeah you know when yeshua addressed that and said a wicked uh, generation uh, you know seeks signs and wonders i i felt very strongly about that recently when we had books being written about things that we were seeing in you know in the, in the sky you know like blood moons and things of that nature um because i think it's it's it can really indicate a lack of, of true faith if you're always looking for something to validate why you believe. And and God, God's got us pinned here. He knows that that's what we want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're seeking those. He knows that. He knows exactly what we're seeking. Mm-hmm. And yet he calls that wicked and adulterous. He does. You know, so um, what's interesting about the signs and wonders is that these things that this person says might be a dream, okay, or whatever – they could very well come true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's not necessarily the sign of a false prophet that their right. signs and wonders, you know, come true or don't come true. Um, now, if something, if somebody says something and it doesn't happen, we know for sure that that's not from God. Right. Okay, we do know that. Right. Step one. But we have to go a little bit beyond the signs and wonders, and that's the key. If you just look at signs and wonders, you can be misled. So, how do we know that they're a false prophet? The key is in the let us follow after other gods that you have not known. Right. That's the key. 
right? Right. And and so so Deuteronomy goes on after that. Gary, if you'd read just sure. a little more. It says the Lord the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. And it's the Lord your God who must follow and in him you must revere. Keep his commandments and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. You know, so basically we can know a false prophet, not because of signs and wonders, but because he or she will be someone telling you not to obey God's commandments. That's, That's right. what that just said. So right off the bat there, we've got a problem within the church. Okay, just on that alone, right? Yes, yes we do. And, and Kathy, I just, it just dawned on me uh, when we read that. Um, you know how we're always quoting Matthew 5, verse 17, yes. about Yeshua not destroying the law and the prophets? Yes. You know, in that same narrative where he's speaking there, he says, Surely I say to you, um, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle by no means will pass from the law or the Torah till all is fulfilled. And he says, um, whoever breaks one of these commandments. Now, wait a minute. I wanted, I thought this is where he said. Gary's uh, looking through his Bible here trying yeah, to find I, exactly what he wants. I'm sorry, because I, I thought I could have sworn right there. He talks about um, to beware of false prophets right then and there. Um, I will, but but um, the concept is, is, is here and... It is carried through it because is. obviously Jesus is talking that nothing in the Torah has been done away with. So by definition, anybody teaching that would be a false prophet, mm-hmm. a false teacher. I mean, yes. just by definition, because their word is going against Yeshua's word. And so that's going to make them a false prophet. That's right. So, so we've got basically this idea do that where someone's saying, do not obey God's commandments. And as I said, right off, right here, we have a problem because for centuries, the church has been teaching that we don't have to obey the commandments. Right. Okay. This concept of grace versus law that we've talked about many, many times on the podcast that, you know, the church feels you have to have one or the other. Right. And that's a false dichotomy. You don't, you don't, you have both of those things, but the church has been saying that those commandments are done away with. We don't have to do them. And in fact, they're calling it legalism, uh, you know, to do so. So they're calling it sin to obey right. the commandment. Well, I will, I will finish then the, where I was reading, since you said that, because Yeshua says, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so, is so called, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, when you, I didn't wake up this morning and say, I want to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. So there, you, <laughs> you know, Yeshua is telling us to keep the commandments. Exactly. You know, and when the church starts teaching that we don't have to obey certain commandments. Now, they don't off the bat say everything, every commandment, okay? They hold, for instance, in the 10, they at least hold to nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of think the Sabbath one has been switched, but okay, you know, yeah, to Sunday. Right. But okay, so, but 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 they, they give excuses as to why there's other commandments that we don't have to keep. But there we start down that proverbial slippery slope. And so if some commandments don't have to be done according to the church, then why 
literally do any of them have to be done, right? Well, exactly. I mean, right. I mean, you, you totally, uh, that, that talk about a slippery slope. That's a that's slippery slope. Goes. You know, so, you know, the gospel message, we've said this many times, and, and, and Jesus said it, it, it's clear. The gospel message is repent, okay, for the right. kingdom is near. Repent means to turn back to God, to Shuva in Hebrew. Right. It means to follow him, obey his word. False prophets never say repent. Never they, hear it. You never will hear that. It's okay? always the positive uh, message that exactly. you're going to reign, you're going to rise up. You're That's going right. To, yes. yes. And you've got this. In fact, you know, so they usually encourage people to go right on doing what they're doing. They feed the flesh. They tickle the ears. They tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in this false we've talked about before, the prosperity gospel, the prophets will tell you you're going to be rich. Now, it's usually if you give them some money first, but usually, okay, you're going to yeah, be rich. There's usually a condition there. Right. False healing ministers claim that you're going to be healed. All right? Right. Maybe, maybe not. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, false prophets say everything for you is going to be getting better. You're going to get your heart's desire. Uh, you can take that one step further. Everything in this country is going to start going in the right direction. Um, you know, the false prophets... I think we're seeing them rising up among us. Not that we haven't always had them, but now with the uh, the ability to be on social media, everybody can. Everybody has a platform. That's true, right? Mm-hmm. And it's spread very, very quickly. So the con, the ideas and the words of a false prophet can spread very, very quickly. Okay, and you know if the church doesn't deal with this issue of false prophets within its their midst rising up among you we we are feeding into a much bigger problem that we're seeing in the world today you know we all know that something's happening in our country and we know we're moving away from god i, I yeah there's no we, doubt about that we can see that yeah. we're moving toward tyranny we all want to blame someone else that's the easy thing to do but the reality is the church has contributed to this whole mess and we really don't want to do any self examination cuz that's really painful yeah and and true true examples of prophecy Kathy i mean I, i'll just give just give our audience a few of them before we you know before we get on to some of the examples of what is going uh, you know, going on today, let's look at what the prophets of old did. And the, the greatest one of, 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 you know, the Tanakh, Moses tells his people that they've got to come back when, when there's going to come a day, they're going to go on. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, now it shall come to pass when these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse that I've set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. And then God goes on to give them the promises. There's that word return. return. You mentioned Teshuvah. Yes. Isaiah, another one of our, our, our um, you know great prophets. We'll look at Isaiah chapter uh, 1, verse 16. I'm just going to read a couple of, of verses to, just to, to make... Uh, show the comparison, the difference in what you're hearing today. But uh, Isaiah 1, 16, wash yourselves, make yourself clean, put away the evil of your doings that before your eyes cease to do evil. You know, these these are the messages of of the prophets. One more, Jer- Jeremiah, talk about return. Jeremiah, of course, chapter, Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, chapter, chapter 3, uh, verse 12 says, go and proclaim these words to the north. This is when the northern kingdoms were rebelling. Return backsliding Israel. 
says the Lord. I will cause, uh, I will, uh, and I will not cause the anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful. But if they don't return, then he goes on with all the warnings. Yeah. Again, it's return to Shuva, return to God. And this is the, the true prophet's message. Absolutely. It is not keep going the way you're going. Right. Never, never is. And things are going to be great. so great for you. Keep exactly. Going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like you said, that same thing was happening in, in ancient Israel. Um, you know, the prof, the false prophets, and you didn't read any of them, but they were the ones saying, hey, everything's great. You right. know, they, they were trying to, that's we the ones who the threw wall. Jeremiah, yeah. you know, put Jeremiah in a pit, you know, get rid yeah. of him. Yeah. Right. You know, so there was no call to repentance. Um, uh, like what Jeremiah, for instance, was saying, we call Jeremiah the weeping prophet. He cried mm-hmm. because his people were so far off base. Right. Right. You know, but if, but his message and that of the true prophets is always, you keep going down this road, disaster is coming. That is not popular. No. Nobody I'm, wants to nobody hear Nobody wants that. to hear it, and that's the problem. That's the problem. You Having know, years and not hearing And it. that's why that gets us into some of the um, false prophets, uh, false gospel messages that we're hearing today. And we're going to talk about uh, specifically one of these. We don't necessarily have to name names because they're easy. It's all over the Internet. You're going to find it. But there's this idea out there called Dominion Theology or the Seven Mountain 7M Mandate. Mm. Um, And based on what we just said, it is very anti-biblical and it's it's a damaging movement that has gained quite a following, even particularly in the last, I'd say, four years. Okay. Um, So those who follow the 7M Mandate, okay, Seven Mountain, 7M Mandate, believe that in order for Christ to return to earth, the church must first take control of the seven major spheres of influence in society for the glory of Christ. Okay, they're doing it for Christ. Once the world has been made subject to this kingdom of God under the power of the church, right? Mm. Then Jesus will return and rule the world. Oh, my goodness. Now, they do have some things right. Okay, when they identify the seven mountains, okay, they're talking about uh, spheres of influence. They say education, religion, family. Um, They talk about business, military and government, art, and media. Mm -hmm. That's all right. Those are seven spheres of powerful influence. Well, isn't it always true, though, that whenever there's deception, there's always truth? A Absolutely. bit of truth, and then it's twisted because um, I I can't get behind and anything like I, mean, I agree that we should have good people, godly people running or, or and, and working in these fields of influence. Right, and as Christians, we are responsible for voting right. righteous people into office. Yes. We're responsible for recognizing and supporting righteous legislation. That mm-hmm. was everything. Those two things were critical to the founders. Yes. They recognized that. Absolutely. But but we're talking about something different here, okay? Like it's a little bit of truth. Right. That's what makes it so dangerous. But in this kind of dominion theology, okay, which kind of started back in the 70s, this goal of taking dominion of the earth, it's kind of twisting the Genesis 128 command to take dominion over the earth. Um, And it includes this mandate for Christians to control government and civil affairs and all aspects of society. 
Gary, has there ever been a pattern when God's people have controlled all aspects of society? No, <laughs> no, never. And 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 I don't and I don't believe that was ever God's intent in it without without you know it being a complete theocracy when he is in charge. When he comes back, not, yes. Not we in charge. So right. and and so what how do you get there with this these scriptures is by spiritualizing them. Kathy, this is something that I've seen over the years, over and over and over again, taking passages out of context, spiritualizing them, and then creating this doctrine and or this yes. theology. So you know by when looking into this uh, this this doctrine, I found that everybody talks about one of the foundational passages is being Isaiah 2, um, verse 2, Isaiah 2, 2. And because you know how they're calling these the seven mountains. Right. So they spiritualize this verse that says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. All nations shall flow to it. Okay, that's the passage. There's, there's the mountain connection. That's the mountain connection, believe it or not. Oh. And and taking completely out of context that this prophecy is about the day when Yeshua rules and reigns in Jerusalem. Because the very next verse is, Many shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he shall teach us his ways, and, wa- and we shall walk in his path, for out of Zion. Mm. See, they have to spiritualize this in order to not... Spiritualize Zion. They have to, right. in order not to, to understand that this is about Jerusalem and, and, the, and, and you know, the Lord's return to Zion. Shall go forth, and the, the, the law in English, mm-hmm. or the Torah, um, shall go forth, the word of the Lord shall go forth from Jerusalem. It's there in this passage. Now... What what are we? What is this podcast all about? Returning to the Torah. What is what is the what are the true prophets always telling the the uh, people to return mm-hmm. to God's word to His Torah? Mm-hmm. This movement is not talking about returning to the Torah. It's talking about taking over now, here and now, before Yeshua returns. This passage, taken out of context, completely ignores the fact that this is a, re- this is a return of the Messiah back to Jerusalem to, re- to teach the Torah. What we're doing in this podcast is telling people to return to the Torah in advance of his soon coming, his coming. So you're, you're practicing it now. Right. Right? Doesn't not, hurt to practice not it, practicing now. it now. But not to take over the world I don't in, think we in, have in. any delusions that no. anything that we say or do is good, that we're going to take over or right. Torah is going to it's take over the world. Happen. It is not going it's to not, happen. There's nothing in scripture that supports that. No, absolutely not. And then there's actually quite a few things that don't. Now, you know, this this way of thinking also comes under the title, the New Apostolic Reformation. So some of you may have heard it, um, that it adds a lot of, I'll call them self-appointed prophets and apostles. That's what they like to call themselves. Mm-hmm. And I run when someone calls themselves a prophet. I, I just, I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I, I have to, I, I have to stop. Um, I, yes, God can have his prophets, you know, in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form, but the self-appointed prophets, um, there's a lot of dreams and visions right. with this. Once again, these signs and wonders that we're looking at after, um, and, 
So these people, these prophets, are foretelling the future. And Gary, sometimes they're right. Yes, okay? of course. Sometimes Even they a are right. Clock is right twice a That's day. That's right. Now, but it it and I'm not saying that God can't speak through no, he dreams. Can. He can speak through dreams. He can speak through visions. Um, I'm just saying we had better be very, very careful. And if there is no repentance, we know that we have to run from this. That, that is the key. Once again, how can you transform society when you, ref- you refuse to transform yourself yes. and return to the Torah? If, this, if none of this is, is teaching to return to God's word, his instruction, then it's not telling us to transform ourselves first, saying somehow we're going to transform the world without leading by example. Right. And that, that's just not right. going to happen. Right. I, I think it's Matthew 7, uh, once again, that we want to, to look at. I, I said Matthew 5, and I, that's where I got myself confused. But it's entered by the narrow gate, mm. broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. Narrow, the narrow gate is difficult, is the way, but um, it leads to life. There, and it says, verse 15... Beware of false prophets. That's what I was thinking. There you are. Okay, Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets, verse 15. And then when you go down, well, let let me go ahead and finish that because it's pretty scathing. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You mentioned earlier that it has to be someone who rises up among you. That's the sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. But in, inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. Then we get down to a very familiar passage below where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, what's the will of my Father in heaven? The Torah. The Torah. The instruction. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness. Torah lessness. Torah Yes. <laughs> I think it's appropriate to mention that now. I think absolutely. you, were, you can probably absolutely to that again later. Uh, no, I, we, it, we, we bring this up multiple times yes. <laughs> <laughs> over and over because it is so very important that there is that group of people who identify themselves, okay, self-identify. Right. Okay, as followers of the God of Israel. And he's saying, nope, 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 that's not the case. That's a terrifying uh, uh, verse in the Bible that many of us are quick to say, oh, not me, not me. But I think we need to Guard guard ourselves against that because it gives us the clue right there when it says, you workers of Torah lessness. Torah lessness. And it's in the context here, he's talking about false prophets. That's right. That's right. That's why I wanted to point that out. Wow. You know, that concept that, you know, we were just saying there that we're not going to take over the world and there's no biblical precedent for that or or prophecy for that. And in fact, in Daniel 7, um, starting in verse 21, and it talks about the horn, okay, that's going to rise. That's the, 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 the horns always mean authority, okay? So this mm-hmm. is the Antichrist. And it's uh, the horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them mm-hmm. until, until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. Yeah. Okay, look at that. Waging war and defeating them. There's, mm-hmm. It doesn't look like we're winning there. No. Until 
ancient of days comes, pronounce judgment, okay, uh, in favor of the holy people. And the time, then that time comes that they possess the kingdom. They don't possess the kingdom before the ancient not, of days not makes until this judgment. The Messiah returns. No, no, not until. So there is a time when that will happen, but it's not before Yeshua is sitting before. on the throne in Zion as Isaiah says. Exactly. And so what, who does this remind you of, Kathy, when we think about biblical precedent in the days before the first coming of the Messiah, they were the zealots who were going to overthrow Rome, right? They were going to do it by their own strength, their own power. And I think this is what we're seeing again today. We're going to do it in our own strength, our own power. And it's not That's going to happen point. until the Messiah returns. That's a really good point. Very good point. Um, you know, the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, the corrupt anti-God world system is, def- is, is identified as Babylon the Great, okay? Mm-hmm. And the Apostle John, he didn't tell us that we're going to reform Babylon the Great. In fact, he tells God's people to get, get the heck out. out of Babylon the Great. <laughs> exactly. He's not saying go in and reform it. Now, that doesn't mean if we exist in this world that we we are obviously witnesses and, and, and are to engage in righteous behavior and all of that. But that is not a mandate for us to go in then and reform or that a promise that we will do it. it it's it's not going to happen. No, it, we're, we're to detach ourselves from it. I mean, yes. this, this idea of embracing the world, uh, being part of it to the point where you love the world more than you love God's instruction God and love God. Right. That's the warning here. It's like, don't, you know, get don't out, depart from it, cleanse don't. yourself from now, it. Now, Gary, if you could read in Revelation 18, mm-hmm. where it talks about Babylon the Great, let, let, let's look at that. We read some of this in our last podcast, but let's look at it okay, again. Okay, Revelation. Revelation 18, verse 2 through 5 says, And he cried out in a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a lair for demons and a a haunt for every unclean spirit, every unclean bird, and every detestable beast. All the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her immorality. The kings of the earth were immoral with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from the extravagance of her luxury. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or contract any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Wow. So, um, you know... The key here, I think, is this come out of her, my people. I think it's so. It's not go in and reform everything and take back over everything and then hand it to Jesus. It's run out. It's get out of there. Yeah. Because Babylon, as, as we're told, will be destroyed completely in one day. And if you're caught up in Babylon, you will be destroyed completely right. in one day too. Right. You know, so I just don't know how you can look at these passages and, and some of the things that you were saying earlier and 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 construe that you know we're going to somehow take over and create this kingdom on earth and hand it over to Jesus like here Jesus we did it all we did it all we for did you. it all yeah, yeah, here yeah. you go like, yeah that that's just not going to happen and and, and it does, there's no scriptural support for it again yeah. it, it sounds similar it's a perversion uh, or, or a version 
of what we see others on the earth trying to do, create a utopia. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, only they're doing it under the guise or in the name of, they say, God uh, or Jesus. I like that, Gary. So that's still a man-made effort to create God's kingdom, I guess. God's kingdom on earth. And it's not going to happen until Mm. the Messiah sets up that kingdom. Now, let's, let's be clear. We're not saying surrender here. No. You know, we still can, and there are, I know there are godly men and women who can run for office, can can, can be in, on school boards and things of and that nature, be. and we need that. Yes. We need that. But don't delude yourself in thinking that somehow we are going to create this heaven on earth and then turn it over to, right. to the Messiah. Right, and that's comes. the same thing that I would say, and we talked about this last week and before too, you know, I think we have an, imp- it's imperative to us to vote for righteousness. Absolutely. And we can't uh, turn from that and say, okay, well, because we're not going to establish this on earth, we're not even going to be involved at all. No, I don't think that's, that's not what we're saying That's not not what God's saying. Absolutely. I mean, if for no other reason, do it for the sake of your children so they don't live under tyranny. I mean, if you can't think of any other good reason to do it, you know? Well, look at, look at Israel of old. Did they, they didn't conquer the entire world. They were a light. And I, I just recently read a, a, a Hebrew commentary on this. We always say light to the nations. And they, what, I was, what I read was that it's more appropriate, a light of the nations, uh, when, when we speak of Israel. But that's what they were supposed to be, an example but they were never to go and conquer the entire world like Rome did later on. You know, right. God or, never set out for them to do no, that. No, no, no. no. It's, it's a different, uh, different purpose. You know, so we're going to look at Babylon the Great a little bit. Now, historically, there was an ancient Babylon. Okay, we know that. And the Babylonian king, he conquered Jerusalem in 597 BC and exiled many of the people of Judah to the Babylonian Empire. And this, of course, is the setting for the book of Daniel, okay, mm-hmm. and all of his friends being exiled up there. And so that's important that there is a specific place, Babylon, and in the historically, and yes, there could be a place that is identified as maybe not called Babylon, but could be connected with a place in the future. But I really liked what one of my Torah teachers said, and this is uh, Tom Bradford at TorahClass.com. And um, I was listening to all of his um, information and teachings on the book of Revelation, and I highly, highly recommend it. And this is what he said. So, you know, I'm just going to read this exactly as he said it, because I thought it was brilliant. Sure. As you read the book of Revelation, it becomes quite clear that Babylon is more than one thing or one single entity. It seems that Babylon the Great is a system. In the same way, a car is a system. That is, the car consists of several major pieces, like an engine, transmission, suspension, a body, that are somehow somewhat independent, and yet they must be integrated into a single organized system in order for a car to serve its function as transportation. Thus, Babylon the Great represents both a secular, commercial portion and a vast religious institutional portion. These pieces will interlock in some way even if a single entity or person might not exactly control both pieces. And yet these pieces are so cooperative with each other that they can be thought of as operating as a single system called Babylon. Mm. And this was in Tom Bradford's teaching, the book of Revelation, Lesson 40. 
So what we see here, I think this is this is wise. Uh, obviously, this is a mm -hmm. world system that we're reading about that influences everything. It's a Babylon, as always in the Bible, a symbol of idolatry, wickedness, worldliness. Yes. Okay. And it's a it's this great interlocking system, Babylon, that affects every aspect of the world, and know, basically corrupts everything it touches, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. People, nations, economies, uh, dare I say churches, yes, I'm going to say that, sadly. okay, religions. You know, Re Re Revelation 17 describes the woman riding on the beast as mystery Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abomination of the earth. That's quite a title. Wow. Mother, <laughs> mother of prostitutes. Can I share share a little uh, analogy that I heard, or story I heard, and I wish I could credit it, but I don't remember who told me or where I heard it. But uh, speaking about the, the movement that became the church, you know, we call the church today. This, this um, theologian, uh, professor in a, in a college, speaking to his class, and he says that, you know, it started as a movement in Jerusalem. When it reached Rome, it became a religion. As it spread through Europe, it became an institution. When it made it to the United States, it became a business. Now, that in itself is an indictment, but then one this young girl, a student in this class, raises her hand and says, Professor, um, aren't we supposed to be the body? And the professor looks at his students and he says, well, of course, yes, we're the body. And the girl says, well, when a body becomes a business, isn't that prostitution? <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, there you That's go. exactly what we're talking about it here. Is. That's, and I love that, that example. That has been the progression mm -hmm. away from uh, this movement in the, in, in the early uh, first century, okay, that we've just moved so far away from it that we get to this mystery Babylon prostitute uh, abominations. Exactly. You know, it's, it's it, once again, God's not mincing words here. Mm -hmm. It is titled clearly of what it is. Um, and so this prostitute system has the ability to seduce and entice the entire world mm -hmm. into harlotry and, and, and is quite good at it. Okay. As prostitutes often are, yeah. you know, and in fact, in revelation 18, it says, um, for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adultery. Mm. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. You know, God, it's so good. I mean, when you think about how long ago this was written and you look at the earth today and how many people have sold out, you know, I sold mean, their souls, sold their souls. I mean, look at the connections with China and, and how much of our intellectual property has been sold out because it's just to make money, but it could put putting the entire world at risk of, you know, China. And, and it is money. Money, money, money is the reason for all of this. That's why we're talking about a system that's kind of an economic system. Right. right? And so and then we're talking also how it influences the church. Yes. Well, think about with all the influences tied together, as, as you're describing and the media putting pressure on everybody to think the same way, group think, the church has buckled in so many ways when it comes to some of these social issues, when it comes to abortion, when it comes to homosexuality, 
the church feels that, well, we've got to go along or we're going to just constantly, this barrage of insults that we're bigots, we're homophobes, right. we're this, we're that. And, we, and the church And then that buckles. would hurt the bottom, bottom line, it too. Hurts it hurts the bottom line. It hurts the bottom line. If you're course. not tickling the ears and telling people what they want to hear, saying, hey, you're okay and whatever you're doing, right. okay, they're not going to come. They're not going to bring their money. Right. Okay. You can't build a bigger building. You can't do these kinds of things. Exactly. If you're going to fill a, a former basketball stadium with people, you better not say anything too offensive. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good point. You know, in our podcast, The Great Reset versus The Great Restoration, we talked about the very good possibility that the final beast kingdom portrayed in Daniel chapter seven is a worldwide economic kingdom. So I encourage you, if you want to know more about that, go back to uh, that two part podcast, a great reset versus the great restoration uh, to see what I'm talking about. Um, And it's just suffice it to say, there's a lot in the news today to support Mm. this thesis, but basically what we're, we're concluding is that most of the earth has in some way benefited from prostituting itself with the Babylon system. People have gained wealth, power, influence. They've become drunk with it and will mm-hmm. not give it up as an alcoholic refuses to surrender his bottle. Mm-hmm. And then there's an interesting thing, though. I just It's kind of a side note, but it, it is important. It's not it's not really a side note, but it's it's an additional <laughs> note. Okay. okay. In Revelation seventeen, sixteen talks about the ten kings or the ten horns, okay, once again authority, mm-hmm. and the beast, the Antichrist, they will hate the prostitute and bring her to ruin in one day. Okay, so that's interesting. So everyone in the world, all the kings, everybody, benefit from the Babylon system. Why would these ten kings destroy her? And Gary, I would never, ever have understood this before starting to learn and understand about Islam. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, there, there's a, the old saying that you, uh, um, the, the appeaser is the one who feeds the crocodile mm-hmm. and hopes to be eaten The last, last one, yeah. And I think that applies here. It's that, you know, you go along and you make, you know, you make, do this coexist thing and, and everybody's worshiping one God and all those type of things. But uh, Islam is not going to have any of that. At it's the not going to have it exactly. You know, you know, we we're told in Genesis that Ishmael and his descendants, his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. Mm-hmm. You know, the radical Islamists hate the West, everything it stands for. So they will hate this Western-based Babylonian economic and religious system. Mm-hmm. They're going to hate it, even if they benefit from it. Even well, if they'll it'll... go along for now because they know that. They're, it's, it's weakness. They're, exactly. they're, they're infiltrating yes. the churches that they can say, oh, yes, we're worshiping the same God. Come alongside right. of us. Right. But they don't. They hate it. They, they hate it. Yeah. You know, they see this economic system as being a Judeo-Christian based Western system. They see the deteriorating values of this Western based system. And for that, they're right. OK, mm-hmm. that that's true. Um, and uh, so. So they're going to see that system, the religious system tied with it as Judeo-Christian based. That ancient hatred was established back in Genesis. It's Mm -hmm. alive and well Mm -hmm. to this Mm -hmm. day. You know, we may not have realized it until maybe 9-11 happened. Um, And and then people kind of started to wake up a little, although I think they've kind of forgotten and fallen back asleep. Oh, yeah, they did that a while ago. But but that would explain this, this, these 10 kings, okay, 10 authorities. uh, 
hating Babylon and going against Babylon, okay, mm-hmm. and to trying to destroy it. So, so, the, so these chapters are telling us that the entire world system collapses in a day. So everyone is going to be infect, affected. Lights go out. Food supplies stop. Life-saving medication gone. Worldwide loss of jobs and income. No one will be untouched. However, we're still told to come out of her so that we don't suffer complete destruction. We right. are going to be impacted. We're okay? going to have to be impacted, but somehow we I mean, have. If you got to, a you, job, you, you're going to be impacted. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't be a, uh, in the, the position where that you support this no. this the, this system. No. Um, so today, I want to look specifically at the corrupt religious system that's part of the bigger Babylon, Babylon the Great system. And as I said, it's highly likely that this worldwide Babylon the Great religious system will claim to be a Judeo-Christian based system, but it's going to be a perversion of that mm. system. Um, and it is clearly closely interwoven with the greater Babylon world economic and political system. Um, so in Revelation 13, we see this beast coming out of the sea. This is the Antichrist being given authority and a throne by the dragon, the dragon Satan, right? Mm. Then we see a beast coming out of the earth who performs great signs and wonders and causes everyone to worship the first beast. So what we have here are these two beasts working together, and one is described as being related to worship, okay? Mm. Now, um, there's different ways you can worship. I've always said that, you know, um, uh, this whole green movement is a, f- a fake religion. It yeah, causes people f- to worship. Religion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what we're going to see here is this world leadership and world religious systems working hand in hand. Apparently there's going to be no separation of church and state. All of a sudden that's not a problem. <laughs> that's not a problem. But so you say, how can a worldwide corrupt religious system exist? How can you have a worldwide religious system when we can't seem to get along with all the different mm-hmm. denominations? How is the world going to have a system? And you just mentioned it, Gary, has anyone heard of coexist? Right. Right. All of us need to just get along, okay? And it takes that symbol has all the different belief systems mm-hmm. kind of tied together as one. Right. That was this is a relatively new concept. Okay. Relatively, yes. Everybody used to have you have your God and you have your God and yeah. you have your God. And now everybody's got the same God and they're worse, but it's a false God. Okay. It's a false, and see, this is, this is the problem that we have with not identifying who we serve. Yes. When we use that generic word God and, and, you know, obviously Islam knows that they can get, they can pull that, this off because we think that we're all worshiping and they, and this idea that we all worship the God of, and they'll say Abraham, Abraham right? That's right. But then God was very careful and very specific. You think he might have known, you know, that uh, down the road this would be a problem. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
and not the Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. And so, again, I I think I mentioned this before, but I did an entire message series regarding the idea that God would have to be schizophrenic if he he were to be the same God of, the God of Islam being the same God of of Israel. Absolutely. Uh, It's not the case. It's a big problem. And and you and I have all, have both experienced it on a real basis, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, face-to-face basis with Christian believers believers, uh, using the name of Allah, uh, in church settings and so forth. Very, very dangerous leads Mm -hmm. us to this place where we can have a worldwide religious, false religious system, you know, um, let's, we always in in the break thinking, we think of patterns. I'm going to ask the audience who dragged Yeshua before the Roman justice system, Hmm. you know, who was that? You know, it was the corrupt religious leaders of the day. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Pilate said, I don't find any fault with Jesus. Okay? He didn't really care. But the corrupt religious leaders had whipped the people into such a murderous frenzy Mm -hmm. that they were insisting upon his death. Right? So... That's a that's something that's happened. It's a pattern, and the pattern is that false religious systems um, persecuted both Jesus and his followers. Right? right, right. At the time, and it's important to understand. You use that word corrupt. That these were not God fearers, in my no. opinion. They were they were power hungry political leaders. Same thing we're dealing with exactly. Today. Who who had corrupted? You know, they, they were not. It was not the legitimate high priest. It was not the legitimate leader. They 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 had a religious system, but they had no real fear of God. Absolutely, it's exactly what we're dealing with now. Is we're yeah. dealing with a corruption of the real thing, right? Yes. That's what was the same pattern. But you know what's interesting is Jesus warned his disciples in John sixteen about this very thing. Gary, if you could read that from John uh, sixteen. Sure, he says, "All this I have told you so that you will not fall away." They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. So look at what's happening that he warned us about, that the persecution is going to come within the bot- the so-called body of believers, mm. within the house of God, so to say, the synagogue, the church, or whatever. Right. But this is a perverted version of all of this, and to the point that the people who are persecuting Jesus, his disciples, then and now— are claiming that they're doing this and offering it as a service to God. Wow. Yeah. It, it, that shows you that, that this marriage that will that, that eventually, and it is happening. We see it before our eyes. This happening uh, where, where uh, this desire, the, in fact, what we've been talking about today, this desire to bring the kingdom to, to earth uh, through man's man hands, Again, once again, that's that same desire. Now, these these folks that are in the 7M mm-hmm. movement, they want to take over and they want to make this a godly thing. But the people who desire to blend 
Christianity, Islam, the political system altogether, same desire, take over the world yes. under under the guise of, you know, we can, why can't we all get along? Right. So once again, that same perverted desire to bring this utopia to earth. Absolutely. You know, if we go back to the CNN article that started this entire two-part <laughs> series, right? Um, it's clear that there are those within Babylon-based Christianity, who see those of us who truly follow the God of Israel as a threat to this country. Mm-hmm. We who believe that marriage is between one man and woman, one woman who know that God only created two genders and they're not fluid, who believe that killing a baby in the womb is murder. We also believe such heresy, right, as the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Amen, okay, <laughs> we believe that, but we're viewed as dangerous by those who hate God, even if they claim to follow him. There's the tricky part. If we are being identified by them as haters and violent extremists, are we very far from systematic persecution of us as heretics with all of them believing that they're doing good and serving God? That's right. We're not that far, Gary. Even that article hints at that in bolder ways than we would have even seen in the last few years before now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you have to isolate and identify a group of people as extreme and potentially a threat. And then it's okay to persecute them. Mm. Same thing they've done with Jews throughout history. Yeah, it sounds very familiar. It's it? a very familiar yeah. scapegoating kind of idea. Um, and then that, then you, uh, then people get used to that idea and it's okay to persecute them. The next step is, uh, we're doing it for God. Right. You know, and that right. happened within the church toward the Jewish people. Yes, it too. did. Yes, it did. You this said, is not a new thing. No, you have to condition people to think this way, which obviously they did. And is what's going on again today. That if we can, we, if they can convince the world that we are the haters, yes. we are the problem, then, then we become the threat. It's the same problem again and again. And, and, and generally speaking, throughout time, the Jewish people have always suffered under this. And Christians have too. True believers have too. Mm-hmm. That's only going to intensify. You know, we brought up, um, you, you brought up earlier, Matthew 7, 23 and 24, those people who say, okay, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do all the church things in your name and right. all of that? And he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. That is that is probably, well, maybe the most the scariest verse yes. uh, for a believer because it's not, it's not the world he's talking about here. No. When they're talking about doing all these things in his name, it's talking about people who believe they are within the body. Absolutely. And that, and that, it, is, if that is not sobering. It is very nothing, sobering. Nothing will right. be within the body of believers. So we have to really check ourselves. If we're claiming... Uh, the allegiance to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet we do not know him or his character, big problem. You know, that was talked about in the John 16, verse 2, okay, where he says, all this I've told you um, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. Okay, we're just going this again. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Look at the next line, 16.3, John 16.3. They will do such things because they have not known the, the Father, Father or, or me. me. Now, that you just put your finger on it right there because when... 
the church who again please don't hear me wrong here when i when i say the church is just jesus 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 but i believe jesus yeshua mm-hmm. uh grieves when that's all the church does is Jesus, 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 because everything about his ministry was pointing to the Father. Everything about his ministry gave glory to the Father. He said, I can do nothing but what I hear from mm-hmm. the Father. And so this is the problem when we ignore this this line of when we think lawlessness means breaking the speed limit on 95. <laughs> no, lawlessness is Torahlessness. When we forget the Father's instruction yes. and we lose contact and, and, and don't understand, don't know the Father, mm. we, we might think we know Jesus, but if we don't know the Father, then we don't know Jesus. We don't know Jesus. We don't know him, right? That's right. And so, that is the reason that he's saying that th- these people, will, there will be these people who exist who persecute the true body of believers who do know the Father right. and, and, and think that they're doing the right thing okay exactly. they do not know the father and they don't know Yeshua and so let's let's remind our audience too that when i read that matthew 7 chapter earlier verse 15 says beware of the false prophets yes so in the context of this the these these believers who 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 or those who claim to be believers and they don't know the father they're this there's in that midst the the false prophet uh, uh, yes and you know how can you get people in churches and synagogues who don't know the Father or Yeshua? Mm. You're like, how does that happen? Because it's going back to Deuteronomy 13. We've been teaching a different Father and a different Savior. Yes, we have. And it said, and we say, let us follow other gods, gods that you have not known, and let us worship them. We're following a a a, a Savior who doesn't believe in keeping Torah, right? Right. Um, who, who worships on a day other than the Sabbath. Right. You know, we're following a Savior who obviously doesn't keep the feast, uh, who eats his ham sandwich. Uh, why not then, why not follow a Savior who believes that homosexual behavior is okay, right? Mm-hmm. Why not follow a Savior who believes that uh, social justice is biblical justice? Why not believe we in the church have caused this to happen, Gary. I can't stress that enough. No, you're absolutely right, Kathy. I think we mentioned it in a part one of this episode about the you know that changing the 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 story, the false witness, the not being consistent. Once you once you destroy the foundation of our faith by saying somehow that it's done away with, right? Then anything goes. Everything is done away with. If we say. Everything in the Old Testament changed or is done away with, then how can how can you not just continue down that road? You know, I I there's no stopping place for there's that, no Gary. There's there's no it's arbitrary if you think there is. It's just like the Book of Judges, and they all did what was right in their That's own right. mind. It, it's it's sad. It really is tragic. Uh, but this is what's happened to the church. And this is exactly what happened in Israel. They replaced God's word with man-made doctrine. That's what Jesus kept saying. Mm. Okay, it was you hold fast to the traditions of man, right. but you discard okay the commandments of God. Amen. That's what Yeshua 
kept talking to the to the the false leadership about. It's the same problem that we have today. There is nothing new under the sun. No. And if we're sitting in a church feeling like, oh, everything's okay, if we are teaching um, our people to follow a God other than the God that they had known that that the people standing, um, that the people standing in Mount Sinai learned of from Moses. Right. If we're teaching a different God than that, then we are the false prophets. That that wow, that's that's so true. And and, and everything that's happening is because of us. It's always because believers have have given up their hold on be it truth or responsibility. Right. That that the world falls from that. You, you see, you hear the difference, Kathy. You just basically describe we were to be a light of the people. We were to guide guide the direction. And if that had happened, we wouldn't be in this position yes. where now the you know the world is falling apart. But we're we if again if we had been doing that all along, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be talking about having to take over the world to bring it back. That's right. And but but again that's not going to happen. We yes. we were told to be that light and we're still told to be that light. That's we right. need to continue to do that, but we're not to to try to take over yes, the world at this yes. point. Yes. You know, we look at, uh, we've talked before about 2 Thessalonians 9, 12. And uh, Gary, if you could just read that because we see that's what's happening now. Okay, um, sure. The coming of the lawless one will be accompanied by the working of Satan and every kind of power, sign, and false wonder and every wicked deception directed against those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth that would have saved them. For this reason, God will send them a powerful delusion so that they believe the lie in order that judgment may come upon all who have disbelieved the truth and delighted in wickedness. There it is. Once again, if you are rejecting or disbelieving God's truth, then this deception, delusion, strong delusion delusion is going to come. Gary, that's the delusion that I see that's encompassing the world and within the body of believers. Absolutely. There is a delusion. How many many have refused to love the truth? How many times uh, have we tried to present the truth of the word of God and someone says, no, I, I love my, you know, I love what I do. Maybe and what I, the Bible says. It might but. be about what the Bible says, but yeah. And, or we get this accusation, we're not Jewish or whatever. No, right. it's about God's word. That's right. And how many Christians have said God is the same yesterday, today, and always, and then and, and don't really find the irony in that. Say, right. wait a minute, if he's the same yesterday, today, and always, and yet you're saying all this has been done away with, and that Jesus is just, love, 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 well, how do you define love without the Torah, without right. the instruction? That's right. So, you know, as we get toward our conclusion, I, I've asked this question before. How do we know when we're standing with God? And the answer is, it's when the enemy seeks to destroy us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great, right? Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Put yourself in, the, in, his, exactly. his, in his sights. Um, so Revelation twelve seventeen says, the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. Yep. There's a How? dual, dual It's dual. There. It's not one or the other. No. It's those who keep the commands and hold fast to right. Yeshua. Right. 
That's it, Gary. That's the key. Those are the one that the enemy will try to destroy. So hold on, right? That is the group you want to be in, folks. It is. Okay? That's it. I mean, in a really weird, ironic way. (laughs) You want to be because, you know, again, it's not this this stupid argument about grace versus, um, you know, works. No, keeping his commands because you love him and hold fast. We love Yeshua, our Savior, and we want to keep his commands. And those, his commands are his Father's commands. Yes. That's the key. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing has changed. Right. You know, it leads me into my conclusion, you We've, we've talked about Matthew 5, 17, and we'll always continue to do it. I haven't come to abolish the law of the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the Torah until everything is accomplished. Folks, everything is not yet, yet accomplished. So the Torah and the prophets are alive and well. But how clever was Satan to convince the church that keeping God's commandments is a bad thing? Mm. John 14, in John 14, Yeshua says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he goes, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to see you. After a little while, the world no longer is going to see me, but you're going to see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Mm. Friends, it couldn't be clearer. God makes a distinction between his people and the world. It's also clear that he's calling you out of the deception of a worldly Babylon the Great system, religious system, economic system. He's calling you into truth. And I want to end with this. And please hear what he's saying here. Don't hear what I'm saying, okay? (laughs) You know, hear what Yeshua just said. The Hebrew word for to hear is Shema. It means to hear and to obey. Shema, my friends, hear and obey the words of Yeshua. Show him you love him and the Father by keeping his commandments and by fleeing from Babylon. Until next time. Remember what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom, everyone. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.